Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome to the Keeping It 100 radio segment, Empowered Voices. I'm Valeria Garcia, certified health coach, type 1 diabetic, women's wellness coach and mentor inside Needles and Spoons, and alumni of our signature program, Keeping It 100. Inside this segment, I hold space and interview individuals, leaders, and supporters from the T1D community to share their story, journey, experiences, and wisdom to empower, inspire, and share their light. To find these conversations live, join us inside the T1D Judgment Free Zone Facebook group. Yep. Um, okay, guys, we're so excited to have Danielle in our space this morning. Thank you for taking your Saturday. Um, so, yeah, introduce yourself, where you're at, who you are, what you do. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me today. I've been really looking forward to chatting with you. Um, so, I'm Danielle, I am a registered dietitian. I'm based in Southern California in Ventura, so not too far from you, but yeah, so I'm in that area, and I also have type 1 diabetes, so um, I know today we're just going to dive more into just like my whole journey, but yeah, currently a dietitian, just starting my own business, so that's me. That's so cool. I'm so excited for you. I know. I love that you're in California. (laughs) I feel like a lot of the uh, type one diabetics I've met more recently, like just on in like the online space have been in the East coast. I'm like, Oh, yeah. these people are awesome. I wish we were closer. Um, I know so yeah. I feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all great people everywhere. So it's all, all good. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your journey with type one, like when you were diagnosed, um, oh. you know, I know like at different ages, like and then you start, you know, adding more years on there and it totally changes the journey. So I'm so curious to learn more about that. Yeah. So what was really interesting as far as like my diagnosis story is that nobody else in my family had diabetes. So, you know, I, I feel like I really had no awareness about what even diabetes was. Like, unfortunately, if I'm being honest, like what I thought about diabetes is like, oh, people that eat too much sugar. That was just my blanket understanding from like an outside perspective. Cause I didn't have people in my life that had it. So, um, when I was 16, I remember it was just like, I had a really bad flu in like May time. And then after I recovered in June, I started having all these, like, like going to the bathroom a lot. I was like, desperately thirsty. Um, I was so like lethargic. It was so hard to like do things. And I remember thinking like, okay, um, you know, it's like summertime. It's probably because it's hot out. Right. (laughs) So I just continued on, you know, trying to just live what I thought was normal. And, um, my stepmom's actually an ICU nurse and she was on maternity leave with my little brother. So she was home a lot. Oh wow! And um, I remember one day she was just like, you've gone to the bathroom probably like six times in the past hour. Are, are you okay? And I was like, I, yeah, I think I'm fine. I, I don't, 
I don't know. I mean, you know, it's hot out. I've had a lot to drink, you know, for water and juices and stuff. And she talked with my dad and was like, I'm a little concerned that she's showing signs of potentially diabetes. And so she got a glucose monitor the next day. And she told me like, I want you to fast. We're going to fast and then see what your blood sugars are first thing in the morning. My fasting blood sugar the next morning was 500. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was probably like, ah. Yeah. She was like, we need to get someone now. So, you know, I went straight over to the hospital. I saw an endocrinologist and that's when I was diagnosed. They were like, wow, you, you know, my A1C was like 14. So it had just been, you know, a long time that I was experiencing that, but I had no clue. So I really like, I'm so grateful that my stepmom noticed that because I, you know, I've heard from a lot of other people with diabetes, these stories where they do end up getting hospitalized. Mm -hmm. So I feel fortunate in that way. And then also it was just such a, a shocking thing to happen in the family where we didn't realize that this, this could have been a possibility. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So from that point on, I just thought the funniest thing to me is that one of my biggest fears, um, were blood and needles. I was like, <laughs> of course, this is, this is great. I'm loving this. I'm loving that I have to prick my fingers and give myself shots. So I feel like I went through probably for the next like six months, just this like learning experience of kind of like surpassing my fears around blood and needles, um, trying to understand what am I supposed to eat? Um, what, like, how do I dose my insulin? So there was just so much that I was trying to learn at once. And I had also started at a new high school. Oh, I was just so, going to ask about high school. Cause like, are you a junior at that, right? At that age? Or are I you was a junior. junior. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a I mean, high school is just like awkward, you know, like it's just an it's awkward, so awkward time for so Yeah. <laughs> like when I think yeah, back yeah, yeah. at it, I was like, wow, it was such a weird time. So I, I can only imagine like adding that layer on top of everything else that like a teenager yeah. is like walking into, especially at a new school. Wow. It was a lot. And I, I remember, you know, I had like the school nurse that would have like my insulin and everything. Like I would bring it in the morning and she would have it in like the fridge for me. But I felt embarrassed. I didn't know how to tell people I had diabetes. So I actually didn't tell any of my new friends. But I would, you know, just be like, uh, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'd like run to the nurse's office. So yeah, I feel like I was just so uncomfortable with my diagnosis and how to talk to people about it, how to connect. And I feel like that just really made it hard for me to kind of feel like I found my balance with diabetes, you know, cause I was kind of just trying to cope with it, trying to understand what to do and trying to not burden other people with yeah. me talking about it. I yeah, don't know like if that's living something you can relate to. Oh yeah. It's like living two lives. I feel like it's mm-hmm. like you had to be two people all the yeah. time. Um, I, yeah. so I was actually diagnosed at 23. So okay. I'm 29 now, um, yeah. but it's almost going to be six years in January. Um, but I, it's so interesting to hear like the different, I love to know the different ages because everyone's experiences, as you know, are so individualized, but mm-hmm. the ages I think is just like such a different part of the story. Cause you think like, mm-hmm. I think about like a child, right. It goes from more responsibility of parents to then as you get older, mm-hmm. your responsibility versus like, gradual. like your teenager, 
And you're a teenager. So you're like pretty much like an adult, you know, you already make your own decisions. You get ready in the morning, you make decisions around what you eat. Like there's a lot in that. Um, yeah. So I was 23. I was like, just, I had just graduated college and I was in the Peace Corps and it was just like the last, yeah, it was just such a change, you know, like I was like, Oh my God. And I had the same views as you like that you eat people who have diabetes just in general, just, you know, eat bad and eat a lot of sugar. Like I just had no, no one in Mm -hmm. my family, my grand, one of my grandparents um, was like pre-diabetic, but no one was like diabetic. Mm -hmm. No one was type one, but I did have Mm -hmm. um, people in high school. I remember playing soccer with someone who had type one, but I I didn't know what it was because same thing. She didn't talk about it. She hid it. Um, I would see her like every so often, like run off the field and like chug a juice and then run back. Um, But but she didn't open up about it. So I wasn't really sure. And then in college, same thing, like someone in the dorm next to me had it, but didn't really talk about it. So I just had no like understanding of what it really meant. So even when I was diagnosed, I was like, okay, so like, I'm just going to like eat healthy for a week and then I'll be good. And they're like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But your mind is still hopeful. Like, oh, welcome to the ride. It's definitely not going to be just. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think your mind still holds on to like, wait, maybe I could save this, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's just different. But yeah, 16. Wow. Yeah, it was definitely like an interesting time. And um prior prior to even like the diagnosis I had like really been struggling with like my relationship with food like I was binge eating a lot um which was kind of like more correlated to my parents divorcing when I was younger and I was just trying to like cope with my emotions so you know I I went from this like place where I was coping with like tough emotions in that way And then I get diagnosed with diabetes and it's like, got to eat healthy. And I was, you know, there were so many like black and white rules that I felt like I had to do it perfectly. So yeah, I just think it was definitely a massive shift in my life at that point, because even just like the direction of my career, you know, it's like, I started becoming very interested in health and I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was reading labels, I was doing a lot of things. I would argue now when I look back at it, maybe to the point of obsession, but um, I think I was just, just like you said, you know, is there some way I can save this? Is there some way I can, you know, be okay? And just that fear that people get when they're first diagnosed where it's like, you know, am I, am I going to have complications? Like, am I, you know, all the things that the doctors talk about, it's like, am I going to lose body parts things like that so yeah yeah, lots of fear Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that like because I would say honestly me too at 23 it was like the first time where I I would say like I experimented with different like diets or ways of eating Mm -hmm. when I got diagnosed and I yeah I like say like I had disordered eating for probably like two or three years where like I was super restrictive because that's like, you know, sometimes I would go to end and they're like, Oh, you can't eat that. You can't. And so it felt like, Oh my God, I can't mm-hmm. eat anything. So I'm just not going to eat anything or, you know, yeah. like, so my mind was just like, Oh my gosh. And then I was noticing that it just like was not sustainable. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I cannot live like this forever, yeah. but it took a long time for me to like, see it from like kind of zoom out and see it from the outside. Like, Whoa, like that relationship with food was so impacted And it came Mm -hmm. from that place of fear. Like I was just afraid. And it was like the first time 
I knew about really like looking at labels, looking at the different macronutrients. Like I had never done any. You didn't of that have before. to really do it before. Yeah, and nothing, and it was yeah. so instant. You know, like you could eat something and like instantly see a number change in real in real mm. time, and never like as a kid. Like when do you eat like a cake and you're like, oh, I'm having a sugar rush. Like you know, yeah, you exactly. See, you know, like see, <laughs> I say that because my the students I work with now they like eat sugar and they're like, I'm having a sugar rush, Miss Val, like, and they're like sweating. I'm like, do you need water? <laughs> Um, but yeah, you, you know, like we are seeing things at like such an instant time that it really like can impact like that mindset around food in such a a heavy way. Yeah. Yeah. Really like it really can. And just like you said, with the numbers, it's like, um, I guess the way I was viewing things is like, okay, I want to eat the slice of pizza. And then I would see my blood sugar go up and I'm like, I'm so bad for doing that. You know, when in reality, it's like, oh, I needed to understand and learn like what I could do to pair things together or my diabetes, like how much insulin was I dosing? So I think it's just like, until you have diabetes, you don't realize that it's more than just that face value of like, well, just, just eat healthy. It's like, what does that mean? What does healthy mean for people? And you know, each person has different life circumstances. You know, some people live in food deserts and it is not possible for them to go to a whole foods or whatever. And then there's Mm -hmm. some people that do have all the access and maybe just limited knowledge and understanding. So it's really like meeting people, like meeting yourself where you're at, but also understanding that there's so much more than just that face value of like, just eat healthy and your diabetes will be fine. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that because you're right not everyone has the same access or the same you know like education or knowledge on all of Mm -hmm. these pieces um and you know like even you talking about like those first years and me too like I Mm -hmm. didn't have the knowledge I didn't Mm -hmm. I didn't know yeah I thought my whole life I was quote-unquote healthy because I just told myself that I was healthy I'm like you go to the gym or like you know (laughs) but there's so many pieces to health right it's like our mindset our relationships, our connection, like what makes us happy, fulfilled, like all those things like play such a role. Um, Yeah. And it would be silly to say that it's just like, eat healthy, you'll be good because that's just not what it is. (laughs) And I'm sure, you know, even just like within this group too, you know, I'm sure a lot of them have dealt with um, just the difficulties of getting, you know, the prescriptions for the insulin pumps, the supplies, coverage for insulin. So yeah, it's just such a diabetes is so much more than I understood in my past, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. there's so much more to it. And I think, you know, coming from a place of diagnosis where I was so afraid, I feel actually a lot more empowered now um, with community. And then with also really understanding the resources that we can have, and that it's more than just food, like you said, it's mindset, it's, you know, being able to choose like health promoting behaviors, you know, like, a lot of people tend to focus on weight, but weight's not necessarily behavior. And so that can tend to make things really frustrating. But if you can focus on your health promoting behaviors, what kind of exercise do you like, you know, what foods do you have access to? How can you pair them? You know, that's when we can like really see those changes that are sustainable for our life. And then it doesn't feel so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It like all just fits in with like your lifestyle. And that's Mm -hmm. what I love about 
coaching and having these programs mm-hmm. like outside of like a doctor's office because it really does fill in that gap that in between time right from like this mm-hmm. 15 minute appointment to the next 15 minute appointment that might be yeah. six months away or longer and mm-hmm. you know I'm someone who personally this last year like was struggling with the access to supplies even <sighs> seeing an endo like all those mm-hmm. things it was so hard and luckily so like, frustrating through community like I was able to have friends that really like helped me out like you know, help me out with insulin or supplies and love that. Even that yeah. And then, I know I'm like, shout out to all my friends. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, Lissy's one of them. So thank you. Oh. Um, but yeah, like those, those times can really happen at any time, right. On your journey. It's not just like, mm-hmm. Oh, maybe like this one time in the beginning, it's like at any time that can happen. And yeah. it's a scary feeling. And you would think like in the times that we live in, like you wouldn't be in that situation, but no, a lot of us are like every day, like still. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's super yeah, it's super sad. Um, but I like that you said now you have this like empowered stance, lifestyle, the way you work and the way that you're even talking about it. I love because it's really showing mm-hmm. that there are all these like moving pieces that kind of sync up together. It's not just one. Um, yeah. So what would you say? what was like the biggest like game changer for that shift in like your relationship with like food or like the way you Mm. see things now, like what was, if you could pinpoint something or was there like a book or a class or a friend or a personal experience that like really like got that off the ground? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like there were definitely like little moments that were helpful, but I would say probably the most empowering, you know, tool that I've had is, um, the book intuitive eating, Mm. you know, when I was in my dietetics program, I actually had a professor assign it to us in our, it was like, um, our counseling course. So we were learning different counseling skills, motivational interviewing, all that. And I remember her assigning this book and I was really struggling, you know, with my blood sugar management and I was like binging a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so I remember reading the book and what was really resonating to me was just kind of these like food rules that we build for ourselves. And it's like, where do these rules come from? You know, like you're thinking about a rule that I had was like, okay, you have to avoid rice. Like, well, where did that thought come from? Where did I learn it? You know, is this based on facts or is this based on a belief? And so reading through that book and kind of examining my own thoughts around food, I was like, I feel like even since I was like younger, I've just had so many food rules put on myself that when I choose to eat those foods because they're delicious, I feel guilty. And then I feel like I need to restrict them or binge on them. And so it was really sending me in a loop. So being able to examine those food rules understand what is fact and what is more of just like a fear that I built around it was really helpful as far as just like becoming more neutral around food. And then I would say the other part was just allowing myself. So there's uh, in the book, it talks about like food habituation, Mm -hmm. which is where you're allowing in like exposure to the things that you restrict. And for me, it was peanut butter like for some reason I yeah I I don't know why um (laughs) that was just really it for me and I would always tell my roommates like we can't have peanut butter in the house I'll eat it all so my poor roommates had to suffer without peanut butter (laughs) they had it secretly in their like (laughs) drawer 
<laughs> they're like she's not here yeah she's not here whip it out but um <laughs> I remember my teacher assigned us to try this food habituation and um she said I want you for three days to give yourself unconditional permission around that food and I thought she was crazy like does she even understand what she's asking us to do this is going to be a mess and the first day I gave myself that full permission and I was having it. And I remember there's parts of me that's like, shouldn't be doing this. But I just was like, this is an assignment. Let's go with it. Mm -hmm. First day, had as much as I wanted. Next day, had as much as I wanted. Kind of noticed that I was stopping a little sooner because I was getting a little uncomfortable. And then by the third day, I realized like, you know, what, I'm kind of over this. Like this food that I had put on such a high pedestal doesn't have as much meaning to me now that I know that somebody's given me permission to eat it. Wow. And I have peanut butter in my house now and yeah. I choose to eat it when I want it. Yeah. And I don't feel like it's that like last supper mentality of like, I'm never going to get this again. Wow. I so, love that. I love that. Cause it's like you cut that power that that food was holding, like, you know, just yeah. on its own. Wow. I, I love that. I haven't read that book, but I've, I've like watched videos and in my coaching, they talked about intuitive eating. So I've like learned about it. Um, but you know, I love that rule thing because I actually did that with like a spiritual course where you like wake up and you think about like, you write down all these rules that you have on yourself. Like, Oh, I have to meditate or I have to wash my face in the morning. Like all of mine were so ridiculous. I was like, no, like you have to put on your retainer. If you don't put on your retainer, it's bad. You know, like all these, yeah. they're like these beliefs that we just create and they mm -hmm. hold so much power until we can kind of like snip them off and be like, Oh no, wait, my teeth yeah. will be fine if I don't use my retainer for a day. Like, who cares? They're gonna be, it's going to be, okay. be okay. They're not all going to fall out. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I think that was probably like the most helpful piece for me because I really did have so many like rules around food. And I feel like that restriction, you know, led to me ultimately binging on those same foods. So you know, now that I've been able to kind of work in more neutrality around food, it's, it's really easy for me in my house to have some Oreos, to have some apples, to have spinach, you know, it's like I can have a variety of things. And it doesn't mean that I'm just having one all the time. I'm choosing it when I'm craving it. And I'm not allowing space for it to be such a high prized possession, that it's like unbearable to not eat it. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and just like really listening to your body and like what it wants yeah yeah, and I, and yeah you're right because I, I mean I can like vividly remember going to going to well this was in Costa Rica so but I went yeah. to talk to like the nutritionist while I was in the hospital because they had to like teach mm. me what I could and couldn't eat you know that kind of conversation yeah. and I remember them saying like you shouldn't eat tortillas. And I was like, I'm Mexican. Like we eat tortillas. Like, how am I just going to not eat tortillas? You know, like, and I was just like, wait, but then I went to another nutritionist and we had this conversation and she was like, look, you can eat the tortilla. I think what they meant to tell you was that it's going to treat your blood sugar different than it treats the next person. So you need to just mm -hmm. like know what to do. And I was like, yeah. yeah, that seems more like an answer I would like, you know, versus like, I'm not going to try it. And, you know, in needles in, in our coaching program, mm -hmm. you know, Lissy always says like lean into those foods more, like the ones that you're afraid of so that you can really learn. 
And I was yes. like, hey. and I did that with oatmeal. Like I was so afraid to eat oatmeal in the mornings because I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. blood sugar psh, every day. Yep. I ate oatmeal today. Things are looking good, you know, but it took time of like trying it for like five days in a row to be like, mm-hmm. no, I want to figure this out for my body so I can enjoy this food without the fear, yeah. without restricting from it. So that when I want oatmeal, I know what to do and like what works for my body. And, you know, it just takes that like leaning into something that's a little bit uncomfortable to get to that comfort spot where you can be like, oh no, this is all okay. And I'm in control. Yes. I love that. I love lean into those foods more. I totally agree with that. I think I think that's like a huge game changer. And, you know, I actually talked to, um, I talked to another person with diabetes yesterday and she was telling me that, um, a dietitian she saw after diagnosis told her she wasn't allowed to eat yogurt. Weird. Um, (laughs) and you know, it's like, again, it's like when we place these rules, it's just limiting and causing that fear to build up around those types of foods when in reality, yeah, leaning more into it and giving your giving yourself the chance to see how your body will respond is good. It's scary. I understand that. I know that like, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. It's, it's very scary sometimes when you're going to check your blood sugar and you see it's way higher than you thought it were you thought it would be or like on your pump when you see the arrows going up it's like it's scary but it's okay that's Mm -hmm. not forever that's just data for you to learn yes yes oh my gosh I love it yeah this I mean these are all yeah the things that we talk about too with our clients it's so important I I remember specifically like reading in a book I feel like it was either like a personal story or like a poem I can't remember but it pretty much Mm -hmm. was saying like once you're able to remove that like good and bad attached to these numbers you like can just see it as that the data it's just a number and I like to say it's like a guide that's what I always say I'm like this is my guide it is a guide for like my next step I'm either gonna Mm -hmm. put more insulin in I'm either gonna go on a walk or I'm gonna eat something like it's the guide for those three things and I don't need it to be this like good or bad because I did I used to be like oh my blood sugar is so bad when you say that out loud I feel like that inner dialogue is just so heavy on our bodies and it just tells us like we're not doing a good job, but that's not true. <laughs> that's not, not true, true, you know. But it's 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 really like that's why, like you said, diabetes is really this like all encompassing and really like all consuming of all parts of our life because it is that like you have to. I know for me, like even outside of diabetes, after being diagnosed, I really had to like dive deeper within myself and be like, what are my inner dialogue conversations? Like, how do I talk to myself in general? you know, like when something goes wrong or doesn't go the way Mm -hmm. I want, like, how do I talk to myself? Because whatever that is, it's going to like roll over onto how I treat my diabetes. And I need it to be like, all on the same page, and hopefully a more like neutral, positive, you know, energy versus, you know, making it this heavy thing. Because I think that too, it like, it almost like reaches out to everything around you, right? When you have that kind of dialogue, it just like goes to all other places. And and it can be true. Yeah. So, so true. Yes. I love that. It's kind of like, even just like practicing like a radical acceptance with your blood sugars where you're like, you know what, this is what it is. And like you said, it's a guide. This is, I can accept this and know that this isn't a failure on my part. I'm not a bad person for this number. This is simply just, you know, helping me understand me better. Mm-hmm. That's it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like this morning, I last night I ate a mango probably like this big, like Ooh, not kidding. Yum. Um, and I was like, 
hmm, probably should not have right before bed, but you know what? I want the mango and I'm going to eat yeah. the mango. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my blood sugars were a little higher when I woke up. I looked at my um, pump and I was like, mm, but that mango was so worth it. It was so good. And I'm so glad I ate that. And like, yes. I could just see like how that could have been a totally different way I woke up, right? I could have been like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm so mad at myself. Like I'm never eating the mango again. It's just like, telling yourself like, Hey, cause it was worth it. And it was good. And I want it to, mm-hmm. to hold that. When I think of a mango, I'm like, I want it to be like a good experience. Yes. You know? oh, I love that. I totally on the same page as you with all this. So yes, I love it. I love it. Um, so what would you say was like your biggest inspiration for becoming a nutritionist? Was it your diabetes experience? Were you already interested Yeah. So I would say, yes, I feel like diabetes played a huge part in it. I actually was planning to do nursing before I went, like I liked nutrition a lot, but I was thinking about nursing. And even though I'm much better with like needles and blood, I remember (laughs) going into like my anatomy class and like, I was the person that like kept excusing myself and I think like, I just kind of connected the dots and like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm a nurse, I'm like placing IVs I'm doing, I'm gonna pass out on them. Like, this is just not quite the fit. And I talked to my um, college counselor, and they were talking to me like, well, what do you think about going into like dietetics, becoming a dietitian? And that really did appeal to me, because I did feel like I was very like invested in learning more about nutrition. So yeah, um, I, I feel very lucky because the program, I went to Chico State in Northern oh, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have an amazing nutrition program. Like oh, the professors awesome. were so wonderful. And I just feel like I learned so much. So, yeah, like as soon as I got there and I was like on my path, I'm like, this is what this I want to it. do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, funny enough, I think it's funny now because I work pretty much in health and wellness now, but I, when I was in high school, I, um, worked at a pet shop and I feel like I got that interview because I was like, Oh, I really want to study nutrition when I'm in college. Cause I did. And I, um, this like pet shop they're they're really into like the nutrition Mm -hmm. of the dog food. Like they, we had like every dog food. It was all like organic, all these different things. And I thought it was Mm -hmm. so interesting. Um, so then I went, I went to San Diego state and I originally was studying nutrition. So I kind of have had like the opposite of you. So I was in my like biology and chem class and I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a little too much for me. <laughs> like I loved the biology class, but nutrition chemistry was just so hard. I was like, oh my God. But I loved nutrition because in high school we had a nutrition course. Yeah. And you can only take it if you're a senior, but the teacher, I like talked to him. I was like, I really love nutrition. Can I take the class? So he let me take it as like a sophomore in high school. Cool. And I was like, Oh, this is like my path. I love it. And then, yeah, I got to college. And then after my first like science classes, I was like, Whoa, I don't know if I could do this like the whole time. So I actually switched to social work and then I, I, I graduated with um, a social work degree. Um, but funny enough, all the jobs I had after most of them were like in nutrition. I was like a nutrition coordinator with special needs adults. Um, I, I was like a fitness coach at the Boys and Girls Club. I worked for Feeding oh. America and like, oh, so like just all these like things around food. So it's, it's mm-hmm. almost like I got to do both. But 
I always, that's why I thought it was funny you said that about like the nursing. Cause I felt like that about the science part of nutrition. I was like, Oh, <laughs> it's know. rough. Let me tell you, Whoa, I needed like five tutors. Like, to, <laughs> yeah, like biochem was, was like, no joke. It. Yeah. That part was a lot. I will yeah. say when like getting more into like the thick of like dietetics, even just like advanced human nutrition is like, I feel like that was my jam. The chemistry part, I can relate. That was pretty rough. Yeah, it's like, that is rough. I mean, it's almost like a, I think of it like a stats too, where it's like, it's like this little like game, but like, it's just like, there's only that one answer. Like there's no other answer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you really have to like, you really have it. to do it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That was a, I remember looking out the window of the lab class and being like, why am I in this class? I was like, oh, look yeah. out the window and be like, I just want to be outside. This is too much. Not my journey. <laughs> yeah. This I isn't leave. the journey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I already know this is, I'd be like in the goggles with like the coat and I'd oh. be like, what is this? Yeah, you're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm so I'm done. For all of you that went on that path, I'm so proud of you because I know it's not easy. Um, and the foundations of everything you've learned is, is very impressive. So proud of you. Thank you so much. Same with social work too, though. Like one of my closest friends, um, she was my roommate in Northern mm. California and she went to school for that as well. So I know it's tough. I know those internships you have to do a lot <laughs> oh, of papers yeah. and internships. So yeah. Your path is also filled with lots of stuff to do. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, a lot of paper. Like everything was a paper. And you'd mm-hmm. like walk in on Monday, they're like, all right, write a 20 page grant due on Friday. And I'd be like, okay. Oh. <laughs> but oh. you know what? I, I'm like grateful because I, I love writing now and I had really good teachers um, mm-hmm. that really like helped shape me to feel comfortable writing papers so I ended up like by the last two years of social work I like loved it but the internship was was heavy but it was a fun time yeah very cool I love that so let's see oh yeah I wanted to know more about well do you want to share anything else about your journey but I did want to talk about like who you work with what you do what that looks like um I'm trying to think of you know as far as like my journey I was gonna I ask really, you about, oh sorry 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 I was gonna no, ask you did you, how did you like find like community and support in this space like when did you feel comfortable you know reaching out to other type 1 diabetics or how did you make like a connection with the community I feel like that piece doesn't get talked about a lot but it's hard mm-hmm. to make that you really have to feel confident to like start reaching out because that's like a big step too that we don't really talk about yeah um I know so I know like prior to like Instagram existing, um, I would go on like meetup.com and there was like a group in like Malibu that would just do hiking together. And so I would go with them and it was really fun. I feel like there's just like when you're around somebody else with diabetes, there's just like this instant, like, did we just become best friends? You know, it's like, there's just a weird connection that I don't know. It's, I just feel like it happens. Um, so I did that for a while. Um, when I moved back from college, I definitely didn't have community as far as like um, other diabetics. But I would say within the past like three years through this Instagram account that I've been on, I've had quite a few people with diabetes add me and like we talk all the time and I feel like they're my friends. 
uh, one of them, um, Amanda Siprich, the oh, type yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was like pretty new to Instagram and, you know, she had added me and we would like chat every once in a while, like so nice. And so she I feel like awesome. her and I, I finally met her in person. Awesome. She just yes. did an event with us. So that was really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. She's one of the homies that hooked me up with like supplies and she's great. She's so kind. And, you know, I didn't even know her that well yet. And I was just like, wow, like what a sweet person to like open up like that and just like share totally. you know, with someone else in the community. So she's great. She's great. She's really great. So she was like one of the people I connected with. And then I've connected with a, like some others that, you know, since I've had my Instagram accounts, like I just feel like we're friends. So yeah. I think I am getting more confident in that way. I would love though, cause I know there's like certain groups um, in the area. I would love to do like an in-person, I think maybe just because of COVID, it wasn't really like, as easy. So I would say I feel like within the past year, my confidence is actually at the point where I would like to pursue that more. So I would say I've had some good connections through Instagram. And I'm still kind of building my confidence to community in person. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I know I just actually recently, some of the clients inside of our keeping it 100 program are from Mm -hmm. like the LA area. And so I met up, yeah, one of them actually drove towards me um, and we went on a hike together and like had lunch together. And I think that was like one of the first times I ever like had a meal with like another type one diabetic. Like we were sitting there like getting ready to dose and I was like, wow, I've actually never done this before. And you're right. There's like this different connection and it just feels so good. It's like sister brotherhood. Like we're all connected. Mm -hmm. It just feels um so nice. But yeah, I'm going to come to Ojai and visit you. So they'll be our Yes. <laughs> our Honestly, I would love that. So keep yes. me posted. I love Ojai. My dad used to take us camping in Ojai like mm. all the time when we were younger. Like so we were pretty. always there. Yes, I love it there. It's just such a yeah. fun, beautiful, relaxing little Really beautiful community. place. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah, great food. So let me know. I'm yeah. available. Yeah. And then also, you know, I feel the same as you. I think I really started, well, I mean, yeah, like my first connection with other diabetics was really in this like online space um, through Mm -hmm. Instagram. Like I was in my, like, I think second year of being diagnosed and I was like, okay, like I need more, like I'm reading books and going to the doctors, but there's something Mm -hmm. missing. And I was like, I really want like friends or like someone to talk about and be like, Hey, this is hard or this is comfortable. And I found needles and spoons. (laughs) So I, you know, at the time she was just promoting our keeping it 100 program for like the first time, you know, like she had just started and I'd never, I didn't even know that there was like people in Instagram, like talking about diabetes. I just didn't even think of that, you know? I know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, finding, finding needles and spoons really changed. That was like my biggest game changer of just my management. It not only like I got all these strategies and tools, but then I made these connections Mm -hmm. with people that so I don't helpful. think I would have got with, without social media, you know, and like all these, you know, mm. online spaces. So yeah, but I feel the same. I meet people and we start messaging them like, we're best friends. They're like super far away, but I'm like, they're my yeah. friends. Like, oh, do you hang out? I'm like, not yet. One yeah. day, one like, day one I'll day. get a plane ticket and we'll be together. So <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your work. Like how do people find you? What do you do with your clients? Um, What's your business all about? Let us know. Yeah. So I'm actually just, this is very like 
brand new for me as far as like starting my own business. Um, I, so when I started as a dietitian, I was mostly working in the hospital. Um, and then the past year I was working at a really great private practice that focused it, it focused on like eating disorders, disordered eating. And we used like intuitive eating as a framework, as well as we take a health at every size stance, which is being weight inclusive and helping people. Yeah. Helping people really, again, like I mentioned before, you know, weight is not a behavior. So we try not to make that the emphasis. We try to focus more on health promoting behaviors that will enhance someone's life and really make changes. Um, so I did that for this past year and, um, starting in November, I am going to have my own program, which will be called food freedom diabetes, which is the same as my Instagram name. Um, and what I want it to be for people again, is kind of like what we talked about today, you know, really helping people work through maybe the restriction that they've had around food and their diabetes management, how we can work together to really create a balance with their meals and create neutrality around just like their perspective on their diabetes care. So I, I am a certified intuitive eating counselor. Um, I went through coursework. Yeah. So I went through coursework and, um, so I am equipped to be able to really like guide people through intuitive eating, but I also really just want to make sure I'm creating a space for somebody to really reduce the shame they have about their diabetes management and what they eat. This is awesome. Oh my gosh. Congrats. I'm so excited for you. Oh, this is great. So are you still working in that other practice? Or are you just going to be focusing on like your own program? Just my own program. So, so cool. I'm actually phasing out as of next week. So, you know, which is, which is sad because I really did love the practice, but I feel like very um, passionate about this and I want to have enough space for my clients. And I know that if I'm like doing too many things at once, it's not going to help me be like effective. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to be like as present as you can. And yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited because I could feel like your passion. So I'm so excited for oh, you. you know everyone you're going to work with and you know, everything you're going to bring to the community because, you know, I like to say like, you're, you know, you're one of the like leading voices, like talking about these pieces that aren't always talked about. And it's so mm-hmm. important. And it's such a, I just get so excited to even like connect with someone like you. Cause I'm like, these are voices that like, if someone mm-hmm. spoke to me the way you spoke today on like day one of getting diagnosed, wow, like, you know, yeah. things would have felt different. And like, maybe those like really like kind of harsher beliefs that we tend to have sometimes mm-hmm. wouldn't be there, you know, and we wouldn't have to backtrack. So I think we're on our way to creating that for a lot of people, which is, is wonderful. And I'm so yeah. excited for you. Thank you. And honestly, I have to say too, you know, I, found needle needles and spoons through Amanda when she had like shared something. So I'm really glad that I could like connect with you guys. And I think what you're doing is so important. Just like you said, you know, I, sometimes I add different diabetes hashtags and I'm like following them. And I just want to wipe out this feed of, you know, stop eating this, stop eating that, you know, I want it to be changed. I want people to you know, get diagnosed and find resources that are not shaming, that are empowering. Like, I really would love to change that narrative. 
And I think for us, like where, you know, we're really important, you know, tools is that speaking on these issues that other providers don't realize. Like you said, like when we were diagnosed, our understanding of diabetes was sugar causes diabetes. And Mm -hmm. we didn't have that deeper understanding of what this disease entails. And so again, um, yeah, sorry, I can go on for hours, but I just feel like I want to change the narrative. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's changing Yeah, that narrative for all of us that are already on the journey, someone Mm -hmm. who just got on the journey, right? Like changing that, that, hey, there is different ways where you can live without all of that restriction, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think that too was kind of like when I first got diagnosed, like I, I remember getting on the plane, leaving Costa Rica, I had to like get medically evacuated back to the U S and we got like Carl's jr in the airport. And I remember my mom, like just taking off the bread and like handing me, like, I just vividly remember that handing me just like everything in the inside and was like, this is all you can eat now. And I remember being like, like, I'm never going to eat bread again. Like this is crazy. I was like, what? And then I was like, is this just like a world that I didn't know about? Like, is there just people out there that just never eat bread, like never eat rice? Like, oh my gosh. Um, But yeah, it's like, even those moments were so impactful. Like I can like vividly remember the entire scene because that's how impactful and like scary it all felt in those moments. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I really don't know, you know, what's happening. Um, But yeah, changing the game, changing the narrative allowing there to be access to these things right like hey there are people out here that are having these conversations that have these resources strategy who have lived mm-hmm. these experiences and walked in our shoes and that's what yeah we I, you know I want for every type 1 diabetic to find and like find who feels good for them right like we all connect yeah. with different people but we're all totally you know leading that same thing of like changing the narrative so I love love the way you put it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Well, I definitely appreciate getting to connect with you and needles and spoons. Like I, again, I'm loving just, you know, the content you're putting out and just how you're helping the people, you know, in your groups. It's so impactful. It's really nice to see. Thank you. So before you go, because I don't want to take all of your Saturday morning. um, Okay. I always like to ask like, if there's any advice or like words of wisdom, I know it's kind of a lot of pressure, but anything you'd like to share for like anyone on, you know, the journey or anyone just newly diagnosed, if there's anything that, you know, words you would say to yourself or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's so many like little, little tidbits I think that can be helpful, but definitely reminding yourself that, you know, it's progress over perfection when it comes to your management. And also that perfect should never be the goal because perfect will always make you feel ashamed when you can't achieve it. You know, like we, we need to focus on what we are able to do and like, again, meet ourselves where we're at. So, um, kind of like I posted today, just about not comparing. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's also another thing. So again, progress, versus perfection, really try not to compare your numbers to other people's numbers. Like this is your journey. You know yourself best. Focus on what you can do. Yes. I love that. I love the progress over perfection. Yes. I'm like snapping to that, clapping to that. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever people do. Yes. I love that. I love that. And 
that is that is really what it is. That that's totally what it is. And I think you could even take that to all parts of our life, right? Progress mm-hmm. over perfection. Like yeah. if we can just make these like little intentional moves all the time that come from like a place of like love and a place of like mm-hmm. honoring and respecting our body and ourselves. Um yes. yeah, we're not so focused on that perfection that does not exist. Um so exactly. Yes. Well, beautiful. I am so happy we got to connect on here. Can't wait to meet you in real life soon. Yes. Hopefully, yeah, soon. Yes. Um, and yeah, if you ever, you know, want to come back to the space or talk about a new offer, anything like that, like let us know. Um, we want to keep you in the space and connected. And I'm so excited for you and big congrats to your new Thank program you. and offer. Thank you so much. Again, super appreciate it. And um, I hope you have a really good rest of your Saturday. Yeah, you too. You too. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.